So we're talking about joy today, and I'm, I'm not sure if we actually mention it, but the sanctuary is dark today because before Christ came in the world, it was dark. And we just want another visual reminder of what Christ means to us, that He came into the world as light to bring light to our sins, to bring light to our eyes, to bring light to the world that we might experience His forgiveness and His joy. My name is Matthew Rojek. I'm one of the elders here. Uh, my lovely wife is seeing our three grandkids perform in a Christmas play at my daughter's church. Today we're going to be talking about joy. Uh, and let me read the scriptures and then we'll pray. The scripture is Hebrews 12, 2. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you chose joy in the midst of suffering and sorrow. And even though you despised the shame, in joy you took our place on the cross. That we might be heirs, join heirs with you. That our sins might be forgiven. That light might be brought not only to our eyes, but sound to our ears and a fresh heart of flesh. Lord, do so this morning. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and bring light to our eyes. Lord, the things that we perceive as they're incorrect, would you reinstill rightness and justice and mercy and truth before our eyes? Lord, we know your word is powerful. May it be exalted this morning. Change our lives. Even today, Father God, restore us to the joys of our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. So I think as is my usual way of preaching, I want to ask you guys a question, but this time you're not going to answer because you always leave me hanging. But I want you guys to think about this as we're going. What is the joy that was set before him? Now, usually you guys know when I ask you this question, I, I'm always wanting you to go back to what the root is. Sometimes we answer like the leaves, the fruit. But I'm talking about the core. What is the foundation? What is the root of joy that Jesus had that would allow him to choose the cross. So you guys know I'm 60. I've had lots of fun experiences. Lots of joys. When I was a young kid, I was good at sports. I won numerous championships, both as an individual and both as a team. Uh, awards. And those things, because of the camaraderie of team, I was a swimmer, was a joyful time for me. It was something internal that meant a lot more than just a trophy. Then I married Betty, who became my best friend over 37 years, almost 38. And the things that we've experienced, uh, reconstructing our first home in Inkster, buying a home in Plymouth, and all the things that we've done to that, swimming pools and tree forts. 
I've been at the birth of both of my children. And when Martha was born, Betty actually talked the anesthesiologist into letting her bring a cassette into the room player so she could listen to her music while she gave birth to Martha. I mean, fun times. I've scuba dived with sharks. I've skydived a couple of times with my kids and my wife. I've snorkeled in Hawaii with literally dozens and dozens of sea turtles within reach. Seeing my kids as we would ride our bikes every Saturday morning, we'd ride our bikes down Hines Drive into Plymouth and see them going from barely being able to ride a bike or being on the back of our bikes, barely riding a bike, to older, to older, to older. And the joys of now having wonderful relationships with my children that God has just absolutely blessed Betty and I and grandchildren. You guys know, man, I think every time I preach I talk about food. I love food. Man, there's been some rocking times with food and music. Not only sitting in my living room, man, crying like I always do, or being there to hear music. It's transcendent. The gift of friends. I have friends that I know at the drop of a hat would come. And at the drop of a hat, I can call them and have conversation. That's a joy that you guys are just really beginning to experience as you develop not only community, but your individual friends. But I'm going to tell you, if you came to me and said, I'll give you that again, but you've got to pay for that and go to the cross, I'd say, no thanks. I don't think I could endure that. Think of Jesus. If there was ever a phrase, he had it all, he's got Bill Gates beat, right? He was there at creation. He saw planets birthed, universes, solar systems, moons. I have visions that he wrestled a T-Rex and that he swam with blue whales. He created ecosystems down to atoms and African deserts and Amazonian jungles. He was there when Adam was born and the joy of that particular moment in creation. He saw Moses, Abraham, David be born. What joy greater than that could cause him to choose the cross? Now we're going to talk about like what we value, what brings us happiness, what brings us joy a little bit. If I had in my hand right now the winning ticket for the mega millions that's out right now, whatever it is, what, 250? 
And I said, I'd sell it to you. I had the ticket. You saw the numbers. What would you pay me for it? Would you pay me a thousand bucks? Ten thousand? Million? Ten million? Hundred million? Two hundred million? If eternity is what we as believers believe that it is, what are you willing to pay for that? What are you willing to sacrifice for that? Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything that he has to buy that field. This man knew the joy of that investment and the future payback of it. And that was a thing. We have eternity with the creator of the universe. Now, I think most of you guys know uh, I have a dog named after my favorite author, A.W. Tozer. And Tozer, to me, in a, in a large measure, epitomizes this joy. When I wake up in the... Now, some of you guys that aren't dog people, maybe this won't fly for you, sorry. But when I wake up in the morning, Tozer lifts her head, tail starts wagging. Man, let's go! Let, let, let's go! She's with me all the time. She goes to work with me. When I'm driving in the car, she lays her head on my arm so I've got to steer with this hand. And when I'm at work, all of a sudden she'll get up and she'll go, okay, time to play. And if I don't play, you, I got to play. She just, but she epitomizes joy. She doesn't get mad at me when I've spanked her or when I've shocked her with a collar. She comes back and she's just a happy camper. She epitomizes to me joy. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Don't collect for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Where is your treasure this morning? Because that's where your heart is. That's what the scriptures say. You know, again, a lot of the things that I brought up as examples of joy in my life were things you could just basically pay for. Anybody can pay to go skydiving, right? But there are intangible things that matter in life, that bring true joy and satisfaction. Can you pay for a friend? Yeah. But you can't pay for the dynamics of the relationship where I can actually say I love Tom Heffernan. Things of obediences. Acts of mercy justice, kindness, and self-sacrifice. I can look at every one of you in the face and I can almost guarantee you that there have been times that you have done something like that that was out of your nature in obedience to God and His Word that you will remember forever. An act of kindness to your wife, 
to a stranger, to a co-worker, offering someone mercy who didn't deserve it, who spit in your face, who's making your life miserable right now, those are the things that you're going to remember. Those are the things that build an internal satisfaction that circumstances cannot alter. You know, as I'm listening to these prayer requests, my heart is grieved. Work situations that bring sorrow and torment and frustration and fear and anguish. Sicknesses, cancers, Tamara's foot. How long's that been? But I can guarantee you as Tamara rests on the Lord, as Julie Ott and Matt Ott walk through this time and trust in the Lord, the core of joy will reign where circumstances cannot. Let's be remembered to pay attention to where our heart's longings are. You know, I heard a story a long time ago. There was a farmer, came to New York, and his buddy from New York invited him. And the farmer said, I want to show you something. So they pulled over and they pulled up against a storefront, millions of people. The farmer says, I can get all of these people's attention like that. The New Yorker says, no, you can't. And he pulled out a silver dollar and he dropped it on the floor and it hit the concrete. And you guys all know what that sound sounds like, right? Everybody stopped. Money. Money. Where are our hearts? Remember the question I asked you? What's the core joy that Jesus had that could send him to the cross? As Jesus discussed his coming departure and the sorrows that he would suffer. His disciples were with him, and a couple of them said, like, that ain't going to happen. No, no, no. And you guys remember Jesus' response? He turned and he looked at Peter and he said, Get thee behind me, Satan, for the things that you consider important are man's importance and not God's. And then later, at another time, Jesus rested at a well, weary from walking, while his disciples went to town to get food and drink. And what happened? He was talking to the Samaritan woman. And you guys remember the story. Most of you probably do. Disciples come back, and they're urging Jesus to take meat, to take drink. And what does he say? He says, I have meat that you guys don't know about. And they look to each other. Hey, does he have some you know, food stuck in his pocket that we didn't know about? Did somebody give him something? They couldn't understand it. And what does Jesus say? My meat is to do the will of him who sent me. That's the answer to the question. The joy, the core of the joy that Jesus experienced 
was doing the will of the Father. Matthew 12, 50. For whoever, oh, excuse, let me set the, the, the stage. Jesus is preaching inside of a house, or he's having fellowship inside of a house. His disciples come, and they wave at him from the open door, and they say, hey, your mom and brother and sister are here. And with no disrespect towards them, what does Jesus say? He said, who is my mother, my brother, or my sister, but he who does the will of the Father? Are you a brother? Are you his sister? Do you do the will of the Father? And as I mentioned earlier, I'd really like you guys to ponder a time where you specifically acted out of obedience to God's will that was outside of yourself. Do you recall the joy that you had, the peace, the fulfillment that money could not buy, that circumstances could not drown? Think about that. Joy is the internal fulfillment of satisfaction, rest, and accomplishment that only comes from following His will. Is doing the will of God sufficient to raise our joy level to that which Jesus experienced? Is doing the will of God sufficient to raise the level of our joy to that which Jesus experienced. And I would say that the death of thousands of martyrs is testimony that the answer is yes. You and I probably won't suffer that level of persecution, but even our choices today and tomorrow can be testimony to say that we, we actually believe the things that we say. And I know this has been kind of somber and we're talking about joy and I'm, I'm sorry for that. So what is the will of God? And how do we come to know it? I believe that there's two answers to that, questions, to that question. There's a very specific and defined will that we find oftentimes in the Word of God. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go into all the world proclaiming the gospel to every creature. If at all possible, live at peace with all men. Be slow to anger, slow to speak, quick to listen. Now hear me, saints. Although these are specific, determining how these play out in each individual's lives is solely a function of the Holy Spirit. As individuals, He deals with us in the sanctification process. Likewise. I took a prayer request a couple of weeks ago from somebody in here who said that they were really struggling with their neighbor. Neighbor was being mean to him, and I, I went up to this person afterwards and I asked him, I said, you know, give me some more information, would you? So we talked a couple of minutes, and his neighbor had done him wrong, just plain out done him wrong. As I was praying for him, and even the next week, I'd been praying for him about three weeks straight, 
I've prayed two things because I don't know the will of God for this guy's life other than some of the specifics that we have, that we just mentioned. So what I've been praying for him is that in the midst of persecution and suffering, he would suffer well. And what sounds like the opposite thing I prayed as well, Lord, may he confront that guy and just say, hey dude, you did me wrong. That's wrong. You don't treat people like that. Both of those potentially are God's will, and I didn't know what to pray, because I didn't have the mindset that God wanted for this person. So I prayed both. What's my point? The Holy Spirit could take both my prayers and say, yep, this is the right one. Father, would you grant this? And give this person the boldness to say, dude, that's wrong, that's harsh. I'm not going to take that. And that can be showing the love of God to this person that they might repent and see the wickedness of their heart. Right? Or in love, he turns the other cheek, guy slaps him again, guy goes home, same thing. God gives him the goodness to repent. We've discussed earlier that he directs solar systems, atoms, DNA, genetics, and ecosystems that are this big to the Amazonian rainforests. Proverbs says he directs the hearts of kings as he does a river. Do you think he's any less powerful in your life to bring God's will to pass in your life? To even bring the desire for you to do God's will in your life. You know, I don't remember if it's Proverbs or Psalms, but it says um, that He will give you the desires of your heart. If you trust the Lord, He's going to give you the desires of, of your heart. And there's two ways to look at that. If my desire is to live in a three-story house, blah, 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 is that what God's going to give me? Possibly. But I've heard it preached, and I believe with all my heart, that as you are doing the will of God, He's going to pour His heart into you so that your desires stem from His desires. He's going to plant in your heart kindness and mercy for the jerk next door kindness and mercy for the abusers of you at work. I was talking to my son James the other day, and uh, man, I love, I love the relationship I have with him. And we were talking. He says, you know, Dad, I've been like thinking about this for a while. He said, you know, when you go to a bowling alley, and if you're a good bowler and you drive it right down the middle, that's pretty cool. That's what you want to do. If you're a bad bowler or if you slip, it hits the gutter, right? And what does the gutter do? It stops you from going into the other lane. And if you whack it hard enough, it'll even come back and may, maybe, maybe get some pins down. <laughs> do you not think that God can do that in your life? And I guess I just want to encourage you, if you guys are struggling to know the will of God, am I doing it? Am I not? Am I making the right decision? Am I not? Believe me, He is so much bigger than forgive me, your little decision that he can lead and guide and direct you like the bowling alley walls 
back down the straight and narrow path. If you're paying attention to the known will of God that you see in Scripture. Do you love His Word? Do you daily dine on it? Have you set it as a lamp before you to light your path? Then I want to encourage you, saints, in abundant joy, know that you're already in His will. And that by the Holy Spirit, He will guide you constantly as you endeavor to fulfill as well will in the unknown areas of your life. There are things that are known in Scripture, but again, do you rebuke the neighbor or do you offer the cheek? And it's not the same every time. Jesus spits in the ground, rubs it in one guy's eye. Jesus tells these guys, hey, go tell the high priest. He tells these guys, hey, hush, don't tell anybody. An understanding of God's general will is something that can be developed as we mature, as we grow in natural gifting that God has given us, and as we exercise discernment when specifics are not given in the Scriptures. I'm going to read that again. Is it on the board? Nope, then I'll leave it alone. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7. Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit, different ministries, but the same Lord, different activities, but the same God activates each gift in each person. A demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. Now there's two things here. This is very specifically speaking of spiritual gifts, okay? But I also want to say that there's a principle behind this, and we've got one of their scriptures we're going to read that just says God's created all of us as individuals. It's for the benefit of the body. It's for the benefit of the body that we have diverse gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, For as the body is one, it has many parts. And then there's an analogy, and it says, Man, can the eye say to the foot, Hey, I don't need you. Can the tongue say to the ear, I don't need you? Of course not. We need each other, and we all have different gifts that God has given us that will be directed by the Holy Spirit. So I just want to give you guys like a checklist of points on how to know the will of God that you might live circumstantially in the joy that overrides circumstances override sorrows and griefs. Now please hear me. I'm not uh, negating the sorrow. I mean, Betty and I have shed a pool full of tears over our life together. About each other, about our kids, about sickness and disease, about family members, all that jazz. We've been there, we've lived it, I know sorrow. I know grief. I know despair. I have been in despair where I see no hope. But I know that I know that I know that as I follow God's will, that internal, intangible, whatever it is that pumps brings life to me and brings hope to me and brings satisfaction to me so that I can live 
one day at a time. Because if I think about five years from now, you guys know how much my knees and ankles hurt walking up and down stairs now? I'm bummed about five years from now, but I trust him for tomorrow. So let me, let me just lay some things out. Live in the known specific will of God found in his word. What you know in his word, live it. Do it. Second, man, there's all kinds of tests that will help determine and help give you a foundation for what your natural bents are, what your natural strengths are, what your natural weaknesses are. Tests are not unspiritual. All they are is a tool to help you. Man, get others' input. I'd ask you to ask your parents, ask your spouse, ask your friends. But also I'd ask you, don't just ask people that are like you. Ask people that might not like you so that their criticism can be part of your formula. Because if you avoid criticism, you've done yourself a disservice. And honestly, like, why do you think we encourage living in community? It's for the joy and the positive of hugging and kissing, but it's also because you can only see things from your perspective. And that's healthy to have others' inputs in your life. Look at the natural bents. When and where you've seen God use you and where you feel value. God gave us gifts. He expects us to use them. And I hate to even have to add this addendum, but I'm going to say, of course there are times He has us living and working and doing things that are not our natural gifts and tendencies, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about for you to find your groove Look at where, I mean, like, honestly, Joanne, when she's up here singing, man, she's like dancing and arms flinging and smiling. Man, her face is an absolutely a glow. She needs to stay up here. That's part of her thing. Seek God about the display of your gifts. And all I mean by that is there are places and times to exercise your gifts and the Holy Spirit's going to lead you and guide you. Exercise them whenever possible. The way you build a muscle is to use it. The way you build your gift is to use it. Be patient as your muscles develop. Recognize that right now if you're in a time or a season where you're like, man, Lord, like, do I do A, do I do B? Again, keep doing the known specific will of God and He's going to bring that to pass where you're specifically defined. But be patient while your muscles grow. Um, Be careful to applaud all gifts, recognizing their need to complete the whole. Just because someone doesn't have your gift or acts in a real different way that you might think is weird, that's okay. They might be a toe or something like that. Be willing to applaud that. Be willing to applaud that. And then I just, lastly, I just put, use your brain. Use your brain. Okay? God's given you a brain for a reason. You can figure this things out. And then just, may I just give you guys some words of encouragement. Again, I, I feel like this has been really somber and we're talking about joy. 
But I think it's also important for us to recognize that God has created us to be followers of His will. That is going to override, as I said earlier, the circumstantial frustrations that are going to come upon all of us. He is well interested and powerfully active in our lives to bring His will to pass. He's well interested and powerfully active in our lives to bring His will to pass. James says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above, with with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. His desire for you is to grow in your gifting. Peter says that we've received an inheritance. Man, this is crazy. We've received an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power. And when it says this inheritance is kept in heaven, if you look up the word kept, it's a battle. You got the angels up there battling for you and they're fighting for you. And then the rest of it says, who through faith are shielded by God's power. God wants us to exercise faith. Are you trying to do His will? Exercise faith that you're either doing His will, or if you're not, the bumpers of life in the bowling alley are going to knock you back to the center. Or your Mac group, or your friend, your wife. Man, can I do a plug? Guys, listen to your wives. Guys, listen to your wives. Guys, listen to your wives. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and know them, and, they, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and a second time, exact same phrase, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. You want to get in a fight with the Father? He's got you. Romans 8, 38, 39, For I'm convinced that neither life nor death, angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What was the joy that was set before Him that He was able to choose the cross? Man, it was doing the Father's will. I mean, can you imagine knowing that you're going to the cross? And like, that might not have been so bad because other people have done it, but what happened before the scourging and then to go do that? Man, that joy had to be awfully powerful in order for him to say in Gethsemane not my will but yours so man saints may I encourage you I know many of you have great sorrows probably greater than I've ever imagined or experienced and for that I'm truly sorry and that's why we have prayer time that's why afterwards you guys want to come up we'd love to lay hands on you and pray with you But may I plead with you, stay the course, exercise faith, 
do the will of God that you know, and cry out to the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you into the specific path that He has for you. And in that will be satisfaction that will carry you from day to day to day. And the internal fulfillment that happens as you do so, the wisdom that you gain, the strengthening of muscles that you gain, you're going to look back a week from now, a month from now, 37 years from now, and be able to say, thank you, Jesus, for leading me, for guiding me to do your will. It's been worth it. I fought the fight. I've kept the course. I've persevered one day at a time. A couple application questions. Do you know His will for you? We've already kind of talked about that. It's in the Word, and it's emboldened and specificized by the Holy Spirit. Second one, will you choose to ask and listen so that the joy experienced will be yours? I beg you, take time. I know everybody's busy. You've got to find time to be quiet, to ask the Lord, come speak to me, Holy Spirit. Tell me who I am. Tell me what you want. Tell me the direction to go. Do not let the busyness of the world, do not let the clamor for material treasure or fame, whatever it is, don't let that steal your quiet time that you and the Lord have communion, have community, have conversation that He could speak to you. We just close in prayer. Jesus, once again, we thank You that You are joy and that You fulfill joy in us as brothers and sisters of Yours as we obey the will of the Father. And we say, not our will, but Yours. Lord, for those that are struggling right now, trying to figure out Your will, Lord God, in Jesus' name, even this moment, would You rain down on them and comfort them as a child. Put your arm around them. Speak to their hearts. Speak to their minds. Give them strength where their strength has failed. Give them eyes set on today, for tomorrow's evil will take care of itself. Holy Spirit, come. Continue to lead us and guide us in the bowling alley of life. Lord, we need you desperately. And we love you the same, desperately. Jesus' name.